Welcome back to Nach Yomi. Today we are learning the eighth parak of Sefer Yehoshua. This is the longer parak. It is 35 psukim and it has two distinct topics. The first topic is the reconquest of the city of Ha'ai. As we remember, there was an attempt to conquer Ha'ai and because of the cherem um, that Achon violated in is taking um, loot from Yerichoi, um, there was a failure in the first battle. So now, interestingly enough, as opposed to Yoshua making his own plans for battle, Hashem tells Yoshua what to do. Hashem gives very specific instructions, and he changes two things about how this is going to work. Number one, he says, Yoshua, you're going to conquer the city, but you can now let the people actually use and take from the spoils, number one. And number two is, is I want you to make a ambush. We talked about how the, um, the beforehand, Yoshua perhaps was uh, a little bit confident or overconfident in the, in the, with the battle of, of Jericho. And in this way, Hashem is saying, don't be so confident. You need to actually do some f- form of his status, of some form of uh, investment into this. So Yoshua does exactly that. And Yoshua devises a plan. What he does is he takes 5,000 soldiers. Remember, the first battle was 3,000 soldiers, and they fled, and there were a number of casualties. So Yoshua takes 5,000 soldiers, and he uses them as a decoy. So he sends them closer to the city as if they're about to attack. But in the meantime, he takes a group of 30,000 soldiers and puts them immediately behind the city in a covert way so that the, 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 the city is unaware of them. What Yoshua does is then sends the 5,000 towards the city. Um, now, remember, 5,000 is incrementally bigger than 3,000, so it's not, it's not like the full battle, so it's not like a, a, a terrifying army, but it still looks like they learned their lesson, although not fully, to, from the perspective of the sentries um, looking down from the ramparts onto the, these approaching Israelites. Um, and so that's exactly what happens. What happens is, is they see these, the approaching army of the 5,000 from the front, the king of Ha'ai very confidently um, sends his army out to meet them. Yoshua um, brings his army into retreat. So the 5,000 start fleeing. While they flee, all the soldiers of Ha'ai um, leave the city. Um, and at this point in time, um, Hashem tells Yoshua, Hashem interrupts in the middle of the battle and tells Yoshua to reach out with his spear, with his chidon, and... Um, Yoshua reached out with his spear at the appointed time, and that's the moment where the, um, the ambush party in the back knows this is about to happen. They enter the city, and they set the city on um, a light, at which point the pursuing high soldiers turn around, see their city on fire, realize they're being tricked, and now the 5,000 turn around and start the onslaught on the soldiers. So they're, they're, they're caught between their burning city, the the, the Israelite soldiers who just turn around and the, and the, the bigger army in, in their city which is coming behind them. So, and uh, they completely decimate the city, kill everybody there and um, burn the city down. Um, and, but Israel do take the spoils. Um, it is interesting to note that <clears throat> the Tanakh tells us there were only 12,000 people killed in Ha'ai. So Ha'ai was certainly not a huge city, but nonetheless, it was clearly fortified well and was not conquerable until this point, until a little more tact was placed in the battle. The second topic of our Perak leads us to the last five psukim, or last six psukim, where Yoshua makes an altar, a mizbech, at Har Eval, which is deep in Israel, towards the area of Shechem, um, and uh, he uh, writes the entire Torah, or um, on the, he wrote the Torah on the stones, um, and reads out to all of Israel in front of everybody the Torah and the curses and the blessings which are mentioned in Parshas Re'eh um, in front of the entire congregation. 
Um, so just a few points to think about during this paragraph. We'll come back to one or two point um, ideas, and that is that there's this critical moment where Hashem reaches in and says to Yoshua, "Lift up your spear as the sun." It is it, the words are almost identical to the when Hashem tells you Moshe to stretch out his hand with his staff over the Yamsuf. It's just such a different image over here that we see in this parak, and this really differentiates Yoshua from Moshe in their leadership. Moshe Rabbeinu is told to stretch out his hand, which is, in, in a certain sense, opens up the most miraculous point in, in, in history, you know, where the sea splits. Um, and whereas Yoshua is stretching out his hand is with a military item, with a spear, which is going to precipitate a ambush, a, a clearly planned, human-planned um, ambush, although God instructed, but certainly this is a military strategy. You know, the, this is the movement from that era of miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu prevailed upon and Yoshua's um, leadership, which is about the military and the, the hishtadus, the actual work necessary to be done to do this conquest. When it comes to these stones, there are a lot of things to consider. This whole business of the stones um, is um, is actually talked about in Sefer Devarim Perak Chavzayin, where Hashem says, on the day that you cross the Jordan, you go write these stones, and then you put the curses and the blessings in Parshas Re'eh, where it talks about it on Har Grizim and Har Eval, on these two separate mountains. Now, fascinatingly enough, if you read those psukim carefully, it sounds like you're supposed to do that on the day you enter into Israel. And we've met stones before. We saw Yoshua did take stones out of the out of the river and place them there the day, in Gilgal the day they crossed the river. But he did not jump. This 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 whole business over here of the stones and and this mizbech and reading the whole Torah and writing the Torah that this happens a lot later. So did, did what really happened? Did Yoshua ignore that command? The Mefarshim debate this. One set of Mefarshim say, yeah, well, this event actually occurred earlier, and they saw supernaturally they all walked sixty miles into the land of Israel the day they crossed the. Jordan to actually place them there and do this whole procedure. And this is this this the, these six psukim are out of chronological order in Tanakh. And the Mavarshim said, no, 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 Yeshua couldn't do that. It wasn't practical then. And Yeshua um, tried the best he could, which was he took stones at the time we crossed the river. And now he did another set of stones to write the Torah on them when he was able to have access to the Har Grizim and Har Eval. And the Malbim very carefully um, sort of divides it up and says, if you look at the Psukim in Devarim, there are actually two commands. There are commands to create a monument on the day you arrive, and there is another one which is to write the Torah on the stones, and that is not time-bound to the day you arrive. And the Malbim says, therefore, Yeshua fulfilled both segments of it, the monumental stones on the side of the Jordan in Gilgal and the stones which are really the, the writing of the entire Torah here in on Harival Harsh um, and Har Grizim, which happens a little later um, in this in, in the story, and he fulfilled both parts of that command. Very fascinating insight into the way the Torah is read there. Um, one just very basic question is how can you write the entire Torah on stones? You know, the Torah takes a long time to write and, and a big area to write it on. So Rav Sajagon famously says, as quoted in the Radak, that he you know he wrote the numbers, he wrote the, the headings of all the mitzvahs, of all the commandments, which is of course very fascinating because Rav Sajagon was one of the leaders of that movement of the Moine HaMitzvahs, the people who counted the mitzvahs he felt was very important and he, he, uh, he thinks that that's what was going on at this point historically speaking um, as one of the answers. Fascinating idea. In the meantime, we'll leave it here. Have a wonderful and meaningful day.